Welcome back, everybody, to Inking Out Loud. This will be episode 9. Today we are covering Wizardborn, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, this is book 3 of the Rune Lords. And th- this episode's going to be a slight bit of a deviation from our past episodes. We're not going to be doing uh, just the first half of Wizardborn, which we've been traditionally doing up until this point. Um, we've decided that we are going to be covering the entirety of this volume in this single podcast. So uh, I'm joined today, of course, by uh, Drew, who's your co-host. We how's have Jared. He's back once again. What's up, guys? And uh, hi, how's it going, everybody? And I'm Rob. So it's been two and a half weeks since we sat down and recorded the last episode. Yeah. Um, so It was Warbreaker. Oh, my God, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Holy crap. I thought for some reason it would have been Brotherhood of the Wolf. I don't know why. Yeah. I just seem to remember that one being the most recent. We took a little a little break from the Rune Lords, and, and now we're diving back in. And, yeah, uh, and we've all come back from our holidays. It's now the 2nd of January. No, it's the 1st of January. 1st of January. <laughs> so it's still technically a holiday, but you know what? We're burning the midnight oil, aren't we? Yeah. So um, is there anything you guys uh, want to get out of the way immediately? Yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk about what this book is uh, and its place in the series. Where it, it kind of has a different sort of narrative arc than um, uh, Some of All Men and Brotherhood of the Wolf. Where those those two have kind of concrete endings established at the beginning of each book. like Or near the beginning of each book. Where in the Some of All Men it was... Everything was pointed toward this big battle at Longmont. At, at Castle Longmont. Yeah. And we get that at the end. And then book two, everything's pointing toward this big battle at, at Castle Karis. And we get that at the end. This book doesn't have that kind of defining um, milestone at the end. And in a lot of ways, both physically and internally with the characters, it's all about the journey in this one. And I think it's Mm -hmm. really appropriate in the actual physical copy. You know, at the front, he's got his usual map of, of the world. But he has some smaller maps that accompany it. And one of them is just called Reaver's Retreat, and it tracks the path the Reavers took leaving Paris. And then the next one is Borenson's Ride, and it tracks the path that Borenson goes. And then the final one is Raja Ten's Trail, tracking Raja Ten's path from Mystaria all the way down to Kartish. And I I think that's pertinent in this book, because it really is all about the journeys that these characters take. It's... and it's not about the destination where the previous two books... Yeah, yeah, Brandon Sanderson reference, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, but but it, it's it's about the growth and the journeys for better or for worse, because it is not always for the better with the characters changing in this book. So, Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I, I didn't realize that about the, uh, the, the actual maps that you had at the, at the beginning of the of the physical copy because yeah. i found my e-re- my e-reader sorry i've uh i think it was this, the entire second half of the book i managed to get through on text so i retained quite a bit more this time around but i still missed the first half of the book I, that was on audiobook only so i had no idea about these these maps i'm gonna have to check those out i'm sure there's you know uh pdfs online i can check them up yeah so and one more note oh, on the map um, so on the raja 10 map it, it has a much more detailed map of Intopal. And where, whereas in the previous books, we just got like a couple of uh, countries on there. And there was a typo on, on where there was a country called Mutes. When in the actual book, they're always referred to as Muyatin or Mutayan. Oh. 
and the country is called Mutaya. And then in this one, he kind of like fixes the map and retcons it a little bit to where Mutes oh. is now actually called Mutaya. But then all the way down in the south, where like there wasn't anything on the previous maps, there's a little country also called Muyatin. So <laughs> he, uh, huh. he sort of uh, fixed that editorial mistake from the first two yeah, books on he, the map in this one. Kind of just slid right over that one. Good for him. Good for him, though. That's a nice creative solution. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so much happening in this book uh, in comparison to the other two. I mean, so many moments I had reading them and, and I had just straight up physical, uh, visceral reactions to what I'm reading, like an actual physical response, whether I'm I'm, la I'm bursting out laughing or I'm kind of just like holding my hand to my mouth like, holy crap, that's horrible. Um, one scene that immediately comes to mind, of course, um, well, so I don't know if I want to spoil this right away because this is actually, you know, I'm going to save this because this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire book. I'm going to save this until the very end before I... So, so do we want to hold off on the favorite scenes yeah. portion no, until the end? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th we're definitely going to have our favorite scenes listed at the end of this podcast again. I was about to bring one of them up just talking about these physical reactions that it got out of me. But no, you're right. That That's much better saved for the end. Yeah, so, well, then let's kick off talking about the characters like we normally sweet. do here. Sweet, sweet, Because there, there's a lot to talk about the characters in this book. Yeah, especially in this book. It's a very, it's a, it's a character-driven narrative, yeah. much more noticeably so than the last two books. Yeah, Definitely. and like some, of the, some uh, of the side characters who didn't get as much page time in the first uh -huh. couple books get a lot more here. Uh, Averin is much more central, obviously. Yeah. I mean, she is yep. the namesake of the book. Uh, partially. Awesome. <laughs> partially. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Um, but <laughs> but I, I really like how uh, the author here, David Farland, takes these characters that have been sort of on the edges and brings them more central to the story. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's so compact. I mean, you, you think about how some other authors have done this, like uh, George R. R. Martin in A Song of Ice and Fire and, and Robert Jordan, guys who have uh, kind of infamously taken side characters and made them more and more central and the series just gets bloated and it and it drags out yeah. and, and you, you a lot of readers feel like it gets sidetracked and in this it that doesn't happen at all i mean it's it's so fast-paced it's so tightly woven that when you have you know more scenes now with like mirama and Averin and aaron connell and even raja 10 like it it works seamlessly with your Iome and Gaborn and, and Borenson yeah. and, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that's a natural result of the fact that we have lost a few characters up to this point that were sort of central characters. Um, speaking bit, yeah. like back to book one, you know, you have Gaborn's father, King Orden. We, we had Silveresta who was another side character, uh, going to book two, we had Borenson senior, uh, mm -hmm. who was, who was had a, a, a kind of focused narrative throughout the entire book. Yeah. Um, but now we have more room for these characters that we're really starting to love. And for me, I loved exploring Avrin a lot more. I, I was totally unprepared, believe it or not, for uh, Bindis Man's revelation that she is his prodigy. She is his, sorry, uh, progeny, not prodigy. I want to use the correct word there. Um, no, I didn't use the correct word. Jesus Christ, what's the word I'm looking for? Drew, come to my rescue. Not progeny. He... No, progeny would be related to him. Yeah, yes? yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's not the word I wanted to use. Um, like uh, protege, I guess. Protege, <laughs> protege is the word I wanted to use. Thank you very there much. There you go. <laughs> um, I was not ready for his revelation that she was wizard born. 
uh, yeah. and that she was going to be learning the arts from him directly. And in that chapter, I think it was chapter nine, yeah. uh, I did a little fist pump in the air. I was like, yes, yes, I want answers. I want, I have questions. I want answers. This is going to be I mean, really I kind, of, I kind of expected it when she is the first one to meet uh, Spring. Well, so I thought it was kind of an interesting and a clever thing that he did where the, the first thing that happens when she meets Spring is she gets the blood on her and, and in yeah. her. And so you have this question of, is Averin getting these Earth powers because she has the blood of a wild in her, or is it because she's actually an Earth Warden? And we get the answer I... here, yes, she's actually an Earth Warden. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, we did get the answer to that. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, so, the whole, I mean, the whole reason Spring showed up there in the first place was because she already had this connection yeah, uh, and with Binnis Man specifically in the Earth. And then we get a, a really good progression of her, her training and, and powers, and it's neat how, you know, she does some things very differently from Binnis Man, where, yeah. uh, you know, she, she has capabilities that he doesn't. You know, she, she can call creatures and people and summon them to herself, not always mm. successfully, we, we see her fail when the, the one random dude just steals their horses in the in the yeah. middle of the town like but but it it of course comes to the crux of the moment where she keeps trying to eat these reaver brains and she's getting sicker and sicker and she can't do it yes. and she's like almost going to die <clears throat> and uh and she finds the way around it, it at the end of the book where she summons the waymaker she uses this new yes. power. She, she manages. She finally to... gets gets it under control, and she summons the reaver she needs, and like reads his mind instead of having mm -hmm. to kill and eat his brain. Makes you wonder what would have happened if she did have to eat his brain. I mean, she was getting progressively worse, oh, yeah. worse every time she had to do it. Would this next time have killed her? And how would that have affected Gaborn? Because he knows that even if she does succeed in eating his brains and figuring out where exactly the one true master lies. Uh, is she even going to be able to relate that information before the sickness actually kills her? Right. Because she came very, very close. Yeah. At least to at least to insanity. I don't about physically die, but <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Like like her. Yeah, I suppose. You know, she she was just getting these these crazy sensations and emotions from the reavers that she was eating and, mm -hmm. and getting their their horrific agony and terror in their last moments. You know assaulting like a nine-year-old girl i don't know I, what i found most what i found most interesting about her was that uh, you know a lot of the times when she is eating these brains it, it almost ends up being like an empathetic connection that she has with the reavers where she's actually mm -hmm. kind of feeling bad for them right yeah yeah she she goes on that that kind of uh, harping on a point with gaborn where she's like you're you're not fighting against the Reavers. You're yeah. fighting against the one true master. It's this farmers. army, like, you're, yeah. you're killing peasants right now. You're killing peasants. You're killing farmers. You're killing craftsmen. Yeah. That's who you're killing. And yeah. that, I'm, I'm sure that's something that Gaborn up to this point really hadn't considered. I mean, these are peasants and these are farmers who are trying to eat his people, literally. Mm -hmm. um, but what I, what I was just about to say uh, a few seconds ago was, can we just take a second to stop and appreciate how disgusting the Reavers are? <laughs> like, it's it was every time... Uh, Averin is, is trying to explain how the Reavers function, how they communicate, or or how she's trying to communicate with them. She's she's there's always some moment where I go, oh, that poor girl. Like she has yeah. to go sniff its anus. It's <laughs> yeah. secreting all these death screams and these death scents through its anus and stuff like that. I'm just like, oh, that's that's gross. Awful, yeah. That's just gross. It, uh, 
I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I just want to take a pretty, second and go. Pretty horrific. <laughs> they're they're, they're like, a great invention. Not, it's a cool yeah. fantasy creature. You know, they they're, are. They're, they're not really they're, like your typical mm-hmm. trollocs or orcs. But, you know, they're they're just. Ah. So so just like going back to the, um, the point with. Avarin being wizard-born and being an Earth Warden and, and developing her Earth powers throughout this, we, we do learn quite a lot more about how the Earth works, how the Earth powers work here. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we know, you know, we meet another... Um, oh, wait, no, actually, sorry, that's, that's early in the next book. Uh, but, but we... Uh, oh. oh, thank you. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for and stopping spoiler me. Spoiler alert, everybody. It's in, like, chapter one. Don't worry about it. Um, ah, ow. Uh, but, but so anyway, we do learn, you know... Uh, each Earth Warden is given a charge, and no two Earth Wardens have the same like charge to like protect and care for. And we learn that Binisman's charge is humanity, specifically he, humanity. He yeah. is specifically humanity, and uh, and I think that's like a cool thing because as we're watching Avarin go through this, the questions there, it's it's not ever asked outright, but it's left hanging. If Binisman has humanity, what is Avarin doing? Like, what what is her charge? Oh, well, I hadn't considered that question, but the answer does seem kind of obvious now, doesn't it? Considering her connection with the Reavers, maybe they are a whole subset of... uh, This is just, of course, postulation from somebody who's only read the first three books, Mm -hmm. but maybe the Reavers aren't the biggest threat. Dun, dun, dun. No. <laughs> uh, and, well, know. that's actually a good segue here. Um, we can move to another new uh, side character who's getting a bigger role, and that's Aaron Connell. And yes, her in- yes. involvement with the Anders family. Yes. And, uh, and we learn that there was a little more to the Darkling Glory than we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Darkling Glory is still... I would, like... I don't know. I somehow I had forgotten that it was still going to be an issue. It took me by complete surprise uh, this time around. It definitely did. Um, but well, so so to... you got the name. You got the name. Yes. Asgaroth. What? You... Asgaroth. Say again. Oh, Asgaroth. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and you find out that it it was Asgaroth is not actually the name of the Darkling Glory, but is in fact the name of a locus that was inhabiting the body of the darkling glory and that is this like shadow creature with air and fire powers that has now been disembodied and is somewhere mm-hmm. and did, is this what we learned when she had her Aaron, of course had her vision yes uh inside this whatever this other this parallel dimension in the netherworld was yeah in the netherworld thank you uh, i forgot the name of it there that was yeah. pretty eerie to consider uh especially what i think there was a chapter that ended on in her point of view um when she she specifically she was wondering what it was that had, or she had the feeling at least the distinct impression that somewhere something had found her dagger yep and that definitely left a bit of a tingle in yeah. my spine there i was like "Ooh, that's creepy yeah and so what do, you, what do you guys think about kelinor prince kelinor sorry who Prince Kelnor. Re- refresh my mind. This he, must be King Anders' didn't... son. He's been traveling with Aaron Connell. They hooked up. Oh, sorry. Her husband. Yeah. Right. Husband. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Husband. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the one who she uh, who she's entangled with at the moment. I like him. He he 
he was the one who's you know had the uh, the deal with her in book two. Was yes. he not? You know, if if he could save her life, and then he did so twice, did he not? Yes, he did. Uh, I was expecting him to be a little more of a wuss, to be honest. Yeah. And I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, and uh, well, I should say, ple- yeah, just pleasantly surprised um, that those two are are vibing as well as they are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wasn't expecting that, but That's... I do enjoy. Yeah, Jared, what reading do you their think? scenes together. I don't know. Personally, I still question his mental fortitude and ability to mainly confront his father. Which, yeah, which of course. we can assume would be coming sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are on their way. I kind of thought that would happen in this book. Like, I honestly didn't remember that it didn't happen. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. No. Sorry. I I just needed to double check. It's it. I need to shut my mouth. There, there was something I was about to say that again takes place early in in the next book. Um, <laughs> well, depending on how early it is, I probably wouldn't be super offended on hearing. No, it, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil for anything for the next book uh, for our listeners or for you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. But th- suffice it to say, you know, they are on their way to meet with King Anders. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and. We, we got some interesting things with King Anders in this book, honestly. You know, he clearly has something going on with the air powers. Um, and he he has a, apparently this ability to, like, send a plague of rats across. Wait, I missed that. Yeah. Rats? Yeah, there, there's, like, the one night when he... You know, because there's several scenes where he's, like, hosting other lords and, and princes and mm-hmm. things from across. And one of them, he goes up to the tower and he and he's thinking about disease. And he sends a plague of rats to go, you know, because he's, he's like, oh, you can't, you can fight armies, you oh. can't fight a disease. Oh, that must have been one of those those rare moments during the first half when I was nodding off and didn't rewind enough the next morning. Okay, no, I completely missed that. That's cool, though. Well, didn't he do this because his, the, the, like, the spell that he sent out with his assassins didn't Correct, work. yes. Yeah, because uh, although poor Jareem gave his life, but <laughs> oh, I man, like Jareem. I was so bummed out about that. Jareem was my man. Yeah, I, yeah, like I was really rooting for him after his whole kind of uh, his whole discovering of who he is and how to be a good servant and how just to to follow his heart more than specifically his orders and, and serving Gaborn instead of Rajatan. Yeah, and I just I wanted him to have you know more than he got. Yeah, just he, he definitely I, I was, got I, yeah. the short end of the stick. I was bummed. Um, yeah, I was like, and, and, man. You know, and going off there, like, so how do we feel about Gaborn at this point? You know, he's he's lost his powers. He mm-hmm. He's trying hard to regain them, but nothing seems to be working. He's doing his best to still follow the Earth's will, but... I don't have any particular beef with Gaborn uh, in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He definitely... He's he's honest. He's trying his best. He's mm-hmm. trying. He, there's nothing. There's no part of him even that's that's worried. Like, am I doing the right thing entirely? Well, maybe b- besides his whole kind of juxtaposition of his feelings with what he's doing to Avarin. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Like he's 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 powerless. Much more so in this book than even the first book. But he's still he's he's trying. And you, you got to give him credit for trying. And, and he does like, get that. One little piece of direction from the Earth. Go find the layer of bones. bones. Yeah. Yeah, and he still has one particular ability, right? He still has one. He can sense I mean, danger. He can, he can sense the danger, but he can't communicate. No, but all. that, I mean, yeah. the ability to sense the danger is itself kind of a manifestation. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. 
is linked. So it's not totally severed, but it's definitely, uh, oh, I don't know. It's, and it's, that's, it's that's not... a key point to, to keep in mind that his, you know, like he is still the Earth King, even though he's lost his powers. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not entirely the Earth has abandoned him and is moving on. Like, you it know, just feels it, like the Earth has given him the cold shoulder. <laughs> Silent treatment. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah. It's just um, being peckish. I don't know. But then, but, but there's again, like with Gaboran, he he learns some cool things from the Earth. He finds out that the one true master of the Reavers uh, is recreating a large piece of the yes. one true rune. He is binding the seal of desolation, which we saw in the last book, with yes. the seals of the Inferno and the heavens. Yes, and there is some uh, there there are some crazy. Uh, problems happening because of this. There are constant earthquakes. Stars are literally falling mm -hmm. out of the sky. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on with that scene with the stars actually falling out of the sky. Yeah. I was like, what is this? I think it's so cool. Space? Like, it doesn't make any sense, but or, I think it's such general. a great image, you know? Yeah, it was cool. It was definitely cool to, to read. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't know. Um, specifically talking about Gaborn again, though, or at least, well, loosely about Gaborn and his failure to imp to implement um his earth powers at this point there was still a moment that i want to point out in particular with with iomi when mm -hmm. she, there, there was a moment when she was in mortal peril and she begged the earth she directly begged the earth for aid and it acquiesced it helped her out yeah. um i am just going to postulate that this has something to do with the fact that she has gaborn's son inside of her um, but that's just a, an initial, very vague impression. Like I, I literally have no other ideas as to why she received help in that instant. Okay. I mean, isn't <clears throat> Anders after her mainly because of her son? Yes. Yeah. These, the, the first thought. Okay. So the Darkling Glory claimed that it could smell a son in her womb. Yes. There was, wasn't there the uh, that air wizard? I forget what they're called in in the second book. There was the Sky Lord. The the Sky Lord. The Incarn. Was yeah, the, was the, the Skylord one that mentioned being able to smell the sun on her as well? Ooh, uh, I remember hearing that more than once. So. But I'm not sure who it was that said it. Who else it was rather that actually mentioned being able to smell a sun inside her. Womb. You may be right. Or maybe it was just the, the same Darkling glory that just kept returning. Uh, it it, it was. Oh know. oh, are you saying like one of the assassins who came through like wind driven guys maybe said it? I don't oh, it recall. Could be. It could be. I don't. I didn't write down the, the the specific second moment that it happened. It was just like another. Huh. That's odd. Okay. Um. But uh, I don't know. Maybe a topic for a future discussion. If we sure, uh, sure. Maybe something to revisit it becomes more relevant, perhaps uh, after after the last book. Um. Mm -hmm. Uh. And through all of this discussion about characters, though, we've neglected a big part of this book, and that is, uh, Raja Ten, our oh, main villain. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of him. <laughs> we got a lot of him, and I loved most of it. No, I loved all of it. I'm not going to say most mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. I hated reading Rajatan for the first two books. I really did. This book was a total turnaround in yeah. that regard. Yeah. Uh, it's more personal. He had a few shining moments where I was like, am I Am I, Am I? I rooting for him? Yeah, right? So, am, am I? Hold on. Like, I absolutely I check was. My, I had to check myself inside <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I'm like, why am I suddenly excited that he's kicking ass 
Well, he yeah, is, no. like, fighting Reavers, so, you know. But he's also yeah, I mean, fighting sure, his own sure. people the yeah. whole time. Yeah. You know? yeah. And but th- he still makes that conscious decision, even though he's a marked man yeah. at this point. He still makes that conscious de- uh, decision, of course, <laughs> decision that he's, uh, like, um, the, the what is it, the Lord of Desolation? What was the title of uh, that, that, that being that came forth that he just immediately left to go fight and save his people from? Um, it, it, the Lord it, of the Underworld? Up being Lord of the Underworld. Well, well so the they're mage. basically, when they say the, the Reaver Mage, the Fel Mage in the Blood Mines is the Lord of the Underworld, they're assuming that yeah, it okay. is so the, it actual the actual one true master of the Reavers, but essentially. He, in that moment, Raj Otten did assume that, and yes. without hesitation, he just started running immediately. Like, he just went to go fight it. And yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That was very admirable. Yeah. And his whole <laughs> his whole battle scene there at the end when he oh, got yeah. to oh, man. fight his way in, and he yeah, got to yeah, actually we'll, battle. We'll revisit uh, that when we get to favorite <laughs> scenes here in a little bit. Yes, we will. Good. Oh, Good. Oh. But, but so, going going back to this idea of the journey, uh, the book starts with Raja Ten fleeing Karis, and he's He's struggling, you know. He he just he's had injured. this like he's... horrible battle. He was yeah. he barely survived. He's got all kinds of injuries, and he's healing, but he doesn't feel like he's healing right, and he doesn't understand what's going on. And he talks to the flame weavers, and they find out that yes, he still has all of his tens and tens of thousands of endowments, but he's missing one endowment of each attribute, and they mm-hmm. are his original endowments. Yeah, his key endowments. His key endowments. And this is the result of Vinisman's curse way back in the first book. And so Raja Ten, despite... That's where that came from? Yeah. So Raja Ten... I was going to ask you that. Okay, Despite all these endowments, is dying. And he... And and this book is all about his journey to find out how he can get around this. And he's struggling with the same conflict that we're presented with in in the first couple of books where he has the, the capability and the potential to be a hero he could be the hero of this story but he makes the wrong decisions and we go through this book where he's struggling sometimes he's making the right decisions sometimes he's not but we get to the end and in a moment of desperation he gives himself entirely to the fire Mm -hmm. and and that's how he gets around the curse the curse is burned away and rajatan the sun lord the the Everything, every, all of the imagery we find out his name meant like a uh, king of the stars, and, and turned he's out called to be the Sun Lord, and all this stuff, and chillingly it, all of this, all of this fire imagery, all of the star imagery, and he arises at the end, Lord of Ash, Scathane, Scathane. Yep. Lord of Ash. Oh man, I I was pretty mind in that moment. I really was. I had no idea what was happening. Um, I was cool with it at the end just because it sounded badass and mm-hmm. I can see him mm-hmm. being an even bigger threat now oh, going yeah. forward. Uh, but and I, at the same time, I was disappointed just because a small part of me was still kind of harboring a small hope that he was going to be the Earth's warrior Yeah. because of, I mean, just watching, well, not watching, reading about his battle at the end that we're oh. going to talk about later. I mean, in that moment, I was just like, okay, he, come on. He, please let him be the Earth Warrior because that was freaking cool. Well, so many uh, of his followers got... too are always seem to be asking themselves, why couldn't he be Earth King? You know? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that was a moment I had written down there too. That it seems to, that he has a little bit of jealousy, uh, or oh, I should say envy. He definitely has a lot of envy. Yeah. Of Gaborn. Um, 
and I, I definitely wrote that down as, a, as something I wanted to discuss because it's a very character-defining moment, even with all of his endowments, all of his dedicates, all of his vectors, all of the power that he has, he still finds something wanting in his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, who knows how that's going to affect him going forward. He doesn't even have any mortal body of which to speak of, let alone to please, but, you know, he's... I don't know. Yeah, I think he's... I, <laughs> I'm very... Trepidation, trepidation. To me, you know, his whole quest thus far has to be has is to become the sum of all men and yeah. sort of become more than human. And yeah. in becoming in his quest to become more than human, he loses his humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I guess you can't really become more than human without losing your humanity by <laughs> yeah. definition, I suppose. But but so this is going back to something I said, you know, in one of the first episodes where I was talking about how Raja Ten is one of my favorite villains. And and Rob, you were you were so confused by that, and <laughs> and I think I said back then I was like, we'll revisit this after the third book, and and I mean this is it. He he has such an incredible character arc. It's so compelling in this book, and yeah. and it's and it's also cool because it it serves to give us a little bit of world building. It expands into the south. We get to see some of the Indopolis kingdoms, and what life is like down there, and. Uh, and and the the cultures and and you know traditions and and the militaries there and and we see like just how opulent just how rich these places are i mean the megasa the capital of old intobal is like like has a population of millions you know they're and and we we think about what rajatan actually marched north to invade rofaven with in the first book was only like I say only a couple hundred thousand troops, and we find out back home he's got millions in his army. That's armies. a problem that I had, though. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It's there. There is a little bit of that. The numbers are they don't huge. add up. Like they, it's just not feasible to have. And this is a, something yeah. in particular. I had a big problem with Terry Goodkind during the mm. Sword of Truth uh, series. That he just he decides that you know what. I'm going to make an even bigger army and they can just keep scaling larger and larger and yeah. there's no problems involved. It's like, you can't do that. It's not feasible. It's not logistically sound to have an army of millions on the move. It doesn't yeah. work. You can't feed that many and, people. And, and, and it is again, um, kind of an issue with, with the tight time frame. Like the fact that they yeah, gathered I, I, 3 million exactly. troops for this battle in like a day and a half. Oh, I have it. I have it listed down here. I was incensed by this. Just how many <laughs> troops and different units were, were, were listed in this one scene. Let's see if I can find it. This is a very, very long note file, by the way, since we're doing both halves of the book yeah. in a single, uh, in a single episode. Uh, let's see <clears> if I can find it here. Chapter 26 would be later than that. Uh, Mirma, or we're going to talk about Mirma. Well, yeah, so I, I was going to say, while you're looking up from that, we, we should move on to Mirma and Borenson because they're kind oh, of I just the, found the third major sort of plot line in this book. Uh, okay, can we and... just close off Rajatan right there then? Because I just found it. And oh, you got it? Okay, Rajatan yeah, fire away. Me. Yeah, I got it right here. Okay, so my, my word for word in my notes here is, okay, Rajatan's army kind of just ruined the book a little for me. Uh, <laughs> I hate it when authors just reach for bigger numbers than any other series, as if it somehow makes logistical sense to march 3.2 million troops and over 10,000 elephants over any stretch of land. Yeah. That's impossible. You can't just, it can't, it took me out of the moment a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, it, it that's, that's fair. Um, but so, but so so we we have it, the title of this book is Wizardborn and Avarin yeah. is is presented to us as the namesake, and then yeah. we just covered the second 
of of the wizard born characters in this book where we find out that Raja Ten, you know, he's been serving fire all his life and, and he ends this book becoming a full fledged flame weaver. And we are moving on to Mirma and Borenson, who mm-hmm. start off their arc where uh, um, Mirma has just founded the Brotherhood of the Wolf, and Borenson has been castrated by Raja Ten, and uh, is dying. And Binisman heals him. He he, hmm. and and he says like, "I can heal the wound, but you're not getting your balls back." Basically, like. And uh, yeah. and and it's or, sort of more a, or less. it's played for jokes at certain points in the book, but it's also played as a really yeah. serious matter. Like, I mean, it, it's a big strain on their marriage. They they have some some really touching moments between the two of them discussing what it means to love and 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 respect and be devoted to your spouse. And there are some yeah really heartfelt things there. But throughout all of this, the, the looming shadow is the fact that Borenson can't father kids anymore. And, he's lost uh, his manhood, you know, and and we, but we get towards the end of the book, and they're riding through the bogs and the marshes, and they stumble across a toth white, a, a sh- yeah. the the shade of a uh, an inhuman mage, basically, and Mirama kills smiling. it. She kills the white, which should not be possible, but she does. But she also killed the darkling glory, which shouldn't have been possible. <laughs> also right? true. Also true. And but in, in killing the white, she touched it, and yeah. touching the white is death. And so she starts going cold and starts dying. And Borenson is also because he's touching her, it's kind of spreading to him, and he's delirious, and he doesn't have any endowments of stamina, and and he's he's on his last legs too, and and he realizes it's time to let it go. And yeah, that was hard. And he does what his tradition is, and that's instead of burying bodies, they consign bodies to the water. And he puts Murma mm-hmm. in the creek, and he, in his delirium, stumbles on to the town, and he wakes up, and Murma's in bed next to him. Yeah. Uh, I didn't believe for a second that she was actually yeah. dead. I, I, was I thought like, it was a dream. <laughs> you thought it was, oh, okay, see, that would have been a little more, if I had thought of that, I would have probably passed it off as that, definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was just in that moment. I I had just written down. I'm like, oh, okay. So she's not dead. When are we gonna see her again? There's no way. She, her character's not just gonna end like that. It felt just too. I don't know. I, the first time I read this book, I was, I I was floored. I was like, I can't believe Mirma just died. You know, it it it, it killed well, how me. How old were you? And then and then you know, two chapters later, she's back, and you find out that she yeah. is also wizardborn, and she is a yeah. water wizard. And, and then uh, Farland takes the time to point out to you how you missed all these little details. Yeah. Well, right. okay, yeah. and and let's be really honest here. The first time I read this book, I was in seventh grade. There's a mm. lot of stuff that went over my head. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm sure if you were reading this book for the first time now, you would have picked up on that faster yeah, yeah. than anybody else um, I know. But but so so over the course of this book, there's there's the struggle between Mirama and Borenson and... and what it means to respect and, and what it means to have devotion to your spouse. And, and mm-hmm. as the book goes on, they finally find that mutual respect and devotion. And, uh, at the end or near the end, Benisman's spell finishes its work and Borenson's balls drop. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. You kind of, we kind of forgot basic, you know, human anatomy there for a little bit. Didn't yeah. We? Right. Uh, it's easy. It, it's easy. Balls to don't just pop into existence. No. <laughs> and then, they just drop. They don't. It doesn't work that way. 
you know. And I was I was very glad for him when it happened. I was like, okay, good, yes, very good. If anyone's gone through the most shit in the last three oh, months, it's Borenson. It's Borenson. Yeah, I, I I'm 150 percent taking back everything that I that I said about him at the end of uh, the first volume and how much I hated him. I he's really paid, obviously he's grew to feel. Oh yeah. Feel for the man, and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just glad that he got his at the end, uh, literally. Yeah, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, so we leave off with them. They're about to head to Inkara to go try to find Dalen Hammer. The See, actual. I figured this would have been over already. They haven't even yeah. gotten to Inkara yet. Yeah. So we yeah. we have we have some things to look forward to in book four with them, but uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy to think about just how much happened in this one pretty short book. Like, it's only, yeah. what, 502 pages long? Like, Is it? I'm reading on audiobooks. In, or in audiobook. Paperback. Like, this, is, this is not a long book. And it is just packed with mm-hmm. plot and character development. And, yeah. and yeah. That's, that's going back to my point earlier about how it has this weird place in the, in the series as a, as a book. It's a bridge in a lot of ways. It's not about a destination because none of the characters really find destinations in this book. Doesn't it right? kind of like part one of two? Yeah, like like Gaborn, <laughs> we, we he gets his destination at the beginning of this book, and that's the Lair of Bones. He doesn't yeah. get there in this book, you know. Like no, no. It, and and Bornson and Murma, they get their destination. And that's Ankara to try to find Dalen Hammer. They don't get there in this book, you know. Like it's and and Aaron Connell and and Prince Kellinor. They're, they get their destination. It's to go get King Anders. They don't get there yep. in this book. Like, it's this is very much a bridge in a lot of ways, but it is still mm. so full of development, and that makes yeah. it a better book, honestly, than I remembered. Um, I, I remember okay. when I read it when I was younger, feeling a little unsatisfied with it, and that may also be because when I started reading this, um, this was the most recent book out, and I thought it was a completed trilogy. And I read this and finished oh. it, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, okay. whoa, that whoa!" That would give whoa. me the same impression. You know? it's like that's where it ends. We're yeah, just and then on our, and then on our of way course, to go to the layer of bones. Yeah, the layer of bones yeah. came out like I don't know a, a couple of years later, and uh, but uh, it, it it does a lot of really cool things with the characters, and I appreciate that. I I gave this book four mm. stars, which I would not have given it before if you had asked me two months ago what would you rate Wizardborn. I would have probably said two or three stars and really? after reading this i'm like oh wow actually this is a much better book than i remembered it being okay so okay. fair enough fair enough I, um, found, I found that it was decently wrapped up i was satisfied with it yeah well and that's the cool thing is that the character arcs are completed mm-hmm. it's the external like plot level conflict arcs sure, that sure. are not and that's why it works so much better than i remembered because when i was reading it you know back in the day i didn't really have much of a grasp of of like character arcs and and now that i've gone through you know i i'm i have a lot more experience not only reading but writing books and and have a a deeper understanding of what it means to craft characters and seeing that on display here it's like you know this is the kind of stuff that he does with the characters in this book uh, are a lot of the things that you know my creative writing professors in in college talked about so Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, I, I, I think this will be. Yeah, I like this book more than the first two. Um, it could mm. just be because I'm a little more familiar with the setting at this point. I'm a little, uh, wow. I'm a little less kind of 
trying to understand things. I, I things come a little more naturally to me now. It's like okay, this okay, got you, got you. I'm uh, there's I guess maybe it's because there's a little less overall explanation. Sure. Um, having to cover everything, the 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 rules of the magic system, for example, those are kind of taken for granted at this point. Yeah. With the exception, of course, of the introduction of key endowments. Yeah. Um, that was that was that was pretty cool. Uh, but. Looking specifically at the characters at where they are, um, obviously I feel that Gaborn and Avarin were treated um, with the most character development over the course of this book, I think. And Rajatan. Um, oh yeah, Rajatan. You cannot forget about Rajatan. Um, oh God, and I see exactly what you're saying about how at, at the end of book three, he's definitely a much better villain than he is at the end of yeah. book one. Um, definitely. Uh, he's more threatening. He's more dangerous. Uh, he's lost a lot more he's got more motivations now um, and, and he's also scarier because you've gotten in his head and you find yourself mm-hmm. rooting for him a little bit and you're yeah like, way which whoa, makes you whoa. kind of question your whole moral compass because if you think about it this is a man who i mean in this same volume burns thousands of his own people alive as a sacrifice yeah yeah you know yeah. that's horrifying and how is it that in that same book we are also at certain moments kind of rooting for him right it, it's kind of scary it makes you kind of examine your own moral compass <laughs> oh yeah um, mm-hmm. oh man but, just uh, you you yeah. just say that rob i can't wait till we get to the acts of cain uh, oh oh to acts of cain okay i thought you're gonna say something really bad's gonna happen before I was oh no like, no just Ugh. but just that idea of like a book making you re-examine your own moral compass Oh my gosh, (laughs) heroes die. But we'll get to that. That'll that'll probably be months from now, but we'll get to that eventually. Sweet, sweet. Um, Anyway, uh, I do think we should move on now to our uh, favorite scenes here. (laughs) Sweet. I'm waiting for this. Jared, you want to kick it off? I've been waiting for this for over two weeks. So are we just listing them off or what? Just like like three scenes. Like... Talk, talk about like your three favorite scenes and and why and what happened. You know, of course. So the three scenes for me were Aaron's sort of dream visit to the Netherworld. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, the second would be Rajatan's battle at the end, obviously. Yeah, that was, that was um, badass. And the, I don't know. There was like I don't I don't know if you guys would expect this third one that I'm about to pick, but. I really enjoyed that the minor scene that we got with Rajatan's dedicate who decided to mm. fight back and yes! poison his fellow vectors. The head of the Black Queen. Oh, with like the poison in his chest set, which I really like chest. Yeah, I knew that. you would like that, yeah. So like that yeah. scene just stuck with me because of that, but that's pretty cool. He picked up the little the little what was it, the queen or the king? Yeah, it was the yeah. black queen. The chest was called the head of the black queen. Inside? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty no, cool. But I think on another level, it's really interesting to see a situation where dedicates are fighting back against, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and a, a, a little thing, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but that book that The Sum of All Men opens with uh, Sergeant Dre's getting, like, gutted like a fish yeah. over the book, yeah, yeah. that book was written by that guy who, who poisoned the dedicates. The, that was the Emir of Kulistan, oh, and that's his book. It was his memoirs. So he's been fighting back the whole time. There's some food for thought. Dang. Oh, which, nice. by the way, we never really... I definitely did not pick up on that. Yeah. That made me think of a really quick sidetrack. We never really talked about Gaborn's realization regarding the days and their association with time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time that's, that's a good point, yeah, where the... There's this sort of postulation put forward that perhaps 
time is another of the sort of natural powers and that the days have uh, a, a deal Ingratiated with themselves. You know, yeah. The, the time <laughs> Lords and, and all of that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. As far as scenes go. So yeah, the other one was Aaron's scene, which I kind of really appreciated her as a character in that, like she kind of just throws herself into this place without really like, there's really no reason for her to have this much courage to go into this kind of place unknown. Well, she doesn't physically go in. Right, but, you know, mentally, I guess. Yeah. It's still the same courage, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I still wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, that would be a hard nope for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going into any strange portal. But as far as the scene itself, kind of like what Rob was talking about earlier, it was pretty visceral for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, especially how it ended, you know, it's like right. she had the feeling that someone somewhere had found her dagger, or something, maybe, was yeah. the word that was used. Mm-hmm. That, ugh, ugh. heebie-jeebies, man, heebie-jeebies. Yeah, and then as far as the third scene, I imagine we might be sharing the scene among the three of us as one of our favorites with Raja Ten's battle. <clears throat> yes. Uh, Holding yeah, his breath, pretty definitely. much, yeah, the whole so, time. So, uh, that, that is one of my three as well. Uh, I, I just think the spectacle of it... it Ignoring the fact that it's pretty much logistically impossible, uh, the spectacle of that <laughs> battle is so cool. The layout of the Reaver yeah. Fortress, and Rajten has this just unbelievably massive army, and there's a fully formed seal of desolation that's wrecking all mm-hmm. the southern countries. The Jewel Kingdoms are all basically going to be under a famine for years. And uh, and Rajaten leads the way into this pitch dark Reaver fortress where the only things that glow are the runes on the mages, and yeah. he's doing this all with his breath held because the seal of desolation and the spell from the fell mage are you know absolutely Noxious. wrecking all of humanity. And yeah. uh, although I will say something uh, to that point. He's holding his breath the whole time. He's not the only rune lord who attacks. They're like, he clears the way, and then a bunch of his invincibles yeah, yeah. come in. When they're in the room with the seal of desolation, one of his invincibles, I think it was Pusnabish, the the, the leader of the sure. army, uh, he yeah. actually talks. So he wasn't holding his breath. Well, you mean you don't have to inhale to speak? Well, yeah, but if you speak, you're exhaling, and you still you can't breathe anything short. in when you're exhaling. <laughs> yeah, and he. I'm, I'm like that. That little bit You're there. You're calling BS on there. That little bit there. I was like, I think, I think he forgot about what was going on. Anyway, but, but it was still an amazing scene. I mean, he just yeah, absolutely was, destroys little, this fell mage. And... I learned a new word in this in that scene. Oh, actinic. Oh, oh, you know what great actinic word. means. Yes, I do. That's awesome. I have it written down over here. I was like, huh, I learned a new word. Actinic. It means relating or denoting light able to cause photochemical reactions, yeah. as in photography, through having a, sh- a significant short wavelength or ultraviolet component. Yeah, it's it's like a like super uh, like super bright blue kind of a electric sort of light. Yeah. Um, I saw that word and I was like, I have to look this up because yeah, I've never yeah. seen this before. Uh, in fact, this is something like I've... It, it, it doesn't quite fit that... Um, a definition that you just gave, but I've heard like a uh, welding that like the mm. welding torch, that light as described as actinic. Well, I have 14,000 hours of production MIG welding. Let me tell you, 
<laughs> welding does produce a lot of ultraviolet radiation, and if you're not wearing adequate adequate skin protection, you will get a sunburn. Oh. I I have been okay, welding. So maybe it in, was actinic. Yeah, in it really a, does in a heavy. I have been welding in a in a heavy Canadian winter in like negative twenty twenty five oh. degrees, and still been walking around with my face peeling and my arms peeling. Oh, and people awful. are looking at me like, "Where the hell were you?" And it's oh, I was welding all day today. Yeah. You know, my I have it's I have welder's Ooh. burn. It's a sunburn, but it's caused by welding uh, <laughs> welding emissions. Yes. Ooh. Well, okay, so so that was my first scene. Now you know. And uh, <laughs> uh, my second scene is kind of a random one. And it's actually when Iome is at the Courts of Tide and the towers are falling mm. and the mm. stars are falling. Uh, yeah. That scene, that whole like two-chapter span there where we, we finally get the description of the Courts of Tide was very vivid to me. I think it's a great set piece. It's such a cool idea for a, a city. They're rich. They are oh, loaded. Yeah. My oh God. yeah, and uh, and and then the power of building all of this up, and in the span of a chapter, it all comes crashing down. And mm. you know, I, throughout that entire scene, Iome has her new days, who's inexperienced, and her body language is like giving things away. You already know that um, King Anders has made a deal with Internook to sail down the coast and attack Mystaria. And mm. now, not, uh, wow, I almost just said Nynaeve. Woo. Uh, <laughs> uh, about four months early on that one, are we? Yeah, uh, Iome is starting to figure out this is going to happen as the towers are tumbling down. It's such a tense scene. It, it's so, so well written. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically pleasing. That's for sure. It was. It was yeah, I, just, I, that's just, one I of those things I think that. would be amazing in a movie. You know, mm, there are a lot of agreed. things in this series that would make for great film, and oh, that's yeah. one of them. Um. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then my third scene is, I think, something else that you and I have in common. If I'm, it, if my suspicions are correct. It's not the scene you're thinking of. I don't think with Benesman. <laughs> I will find out. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, I mean, that was a, that was a good scene, but I, I, I think it was just more like a, a character moment. Um. It was actually that final little battle with the Reavers where High Marshal Scalbaron. Oh yeah, Scalbert. rides to his death, oh, and we, and we get it from him? from Waggett's point of view. There are yeah. some really touching moments when we get into into Waggett's head as yeah. this this guy who who had a you know a, a mental you know defect of some defect. sort. Defect, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he he couldn't remember things. He was slow. He wasn't you know, and and then he gets the endowment of wit. Hmm. And and he's learning all of these things for the first time, and and the concept of death is given to him mm. and Scalbaron, the high marshal of the knights equitable one of the most powerful men in all of Rofhaven, takes him under his wing and and hopes that Waggett will marry his daughter who his is daughter. also yeah. you know mentally deficient and now sorry uh, do we know that right away or did we not find that because i don't remember finding that out until Scalbaron's the, the daughter last charge about his daughter also sharing no the same we, we do um when gaborn looks into his uh looks into his soul um yeah he he sees that he slept with his own mother and had a, a he calls it an idiot daughter oh i just see i i, I don't recall yeah, that yeah. part so, so the, the during Scalbaron's last yeah, charge inbred I was like, and, I found and has uh, developmental deficiencies because of that and but oh. but Scalbaron sees Waggett and and recognizes in him a certain valor and a certain uh um 
like richness of, of heart and caring and hopes mm. that he could understand his own daughter and uh and and could take care of her and someday marry her. And then yeah. Scalbaron goes off on this desperate charge mm-hmm. and kills the the last reaver fell mage mm-hmm. and i thought that scene was really powerful yeah that was and that was definitely one i had written down for consideration um myself like i like i just mentioned i don't recall learning that scalbaron had an idiot daughter so in that moment like i just figured he you know scalbaron was just you know making a whole bunch of crude jokes he was just trying to be a jovial <laughs> likable guy you sure. know and uh and try to bolster, you know, Waggett's confidence. But then during that last scene, um, when he was on his final charge, what he knew would be his final charge, that he would probably never see his daughter again. And then in that moment, I learned that he had a daughter with a similar condition to Waggett. And for me, that moment hit so, so hard. Like, I have a little sister who's uh, very special needs in particular. So maybe it's just because of that that it really resonated with me uh, quite a bit. Um but, uh, yeah, that was definitely a very heavy, heavy moment for me. And it was definitely written down um, in, uh, in one of my scenes for consideration. Um, was that all three of yours, or did you just... That, that was all three of mine, yeah. Okay, because the third would have been the battle with Raj Otten at the end. Uh, in the, yeah, in the Reaver Fortress, yeah. Okay, so, okay, so uh, I'll go to my scenes then? Yeah. Cool, okay, so... Um, <laughs> uh, there... I share one scene, obviously, with the two of you, that being Rajatan's final battle. Um, I was just white-knuckling it the whole time. I was sweating. I was going, wow, 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 this is awesome. Go Rajatan, go Rajatan. Uh, yeah. Um, but the other two uh, scenes that I have written down were, number one, since we're still kind of on the subject, it was Waggett's first scene was the one that I had written down. Because it was yeah. just so heartbreaking to read from his point of view how he doesn't understand quite everything that's going on around him how naive, how trusting he is, yeah. how he's perhaps being taken advantage of oh, yeah. um, his whole entire life. And then he finally gets some semblance of uh, humanity. He, he finally has somebody take him under his wing and say, hey, we're going to get you an endowment of wit so you can at least understand the decision that like, lays like before you. These heavier decisions, exactly. And of course, um, later in the book, this scene is given a lot more weight with the fact that he's starting to comprehend what death means and what death is. Um, so that, I would say, uh, my f- the first scene with Waggett, while he's still uh, a simpleton, but he's struggling to understand, um, that one really resonated with me in particular. So that's my second of my favorite scenes. And my third, of course, was one that I, I'm still laughing about, and I just <laughs> I cannot is. get enough of, was Binus Man in chapter, I think it was chapter 9, no, hold on, it, it's whatever. It's early on. It was, his, it was his legendary, savage insult towards Sir Prinholm, who was making fun of Borenson for being a eunuch, when he tells the man, in this valley, Sir Prinholm, I could plant a stick in the ground, and by dawn it would grow into a better man than you. <laughs> I, I held my book, I went... Actually, I wasn't holding the book. At that point, I was still listening to the audiobook. I was filling up a glass. I remember where I was. I was at the refrigerator filling up a glass of filtered water, and I went, oh! I put my hand over my mouth because I had a Bluetooth headset in. I was like, oh, my God! And my little sister turned to me, and she said, what? And I'm just like, just, oh, my God, that was savage! <laughs> Finnis Man is a straight-up OG. He is hood as fuck. In that moment, I was like, God damn, that might be the most <laughs> savage diss that I have read since oh. Yasna Kolin dissed 
Amram in in Stormlight. Oh 3. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was same. That was that was also on the same level of savage diss. Oh my god, I I cannot get enough of Binisman just for that that one moment. I mean, he was already, of course, one of my favorite characters. But that just solidified. I mean, it. we I, learned in book one, he's not afraid to say whatever to oh, whoever. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my god, he is just such. He's such. He's so gangster. I love it. I love it. He doesn't. The, the you cannot mathematically divide by the amount of fucks that he gives. You <laughs> can't do it. Oh man. So oh, yeah, uh, that was my that was my third of my favorite scenes was yep. was Binisman being a true savage and having the best diss I've read in years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 So uh, good one. I I think we're we're getting pretty close to wrapping up here. We still have to do the final yep. draft. We do. Um, but before we get to the final draft, uh, just like a, a kind of a housekeeping note, um, we next week we will be doing all of Lair of Bones uh, once again. The entire thing. Uh, we'll be doing the whole book in one episode. Uh, just the schedule is working out like that, and um, uh, yeah. So you, so all you listeners can look forward to that, and then we're not quite certain what we're going to be moving on to after the Rune Lords just yet. But it is worth noting we will not be moving on to book five of the Rune Lords, Sons of the Oak. It's it's sort of mm-hmm. technically the first book in a sequel series. Uh, it's not. Um, it's the first book of a new arc. Yeah, right? a it's new like, arc. Yeah. Uh, there there is a solid conclusion to Lair of Bones. If you're reading along with us for the first time, uh, there is a solid conclusion to Lair of Bones. It it is the ending of a series, so we won't be going on to Sons of the Oak after Lair of Bones. No, not immediately, at least. We could return yeah, to it. Yeah, perhaps we'll return, uh, you yeah. know, maybe maybe if A Tale of Tales comes out this summer and finally wraps up the whole series, we'll revisit it down the road or something. But uh, but for now, we will be moving on to something different. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, so is there, like, anything else about the book in specific you want to get out of the way before we go on to the final draft? Because I have a couple things. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just some final thoughts to wrap up? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, go thoughts. ahead, Rob. Uh, okay, so to start, I thought it was pretty cool that there was that scene with the stargazer who's uh, talking to Iomi, mm-hmm. and he informs her that due to their calculations and the position of the stars um, and where they should be at this time of year and, and all that yada yada, um, it appears that the planet has shifted from its orbit. Yes. And I thought that was awesome. I mean, that is some meta-level stuff. And once again... Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> oh. Just I, lightly. Oh, that's something that's happened in, in another series I've read, I think. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Something something by an author who may who may have, have taken lessons from this man at one point. Yeah, I think so. Possibly. Possibly. Not gonna I'm not gonna put that in stone. Wait. <laughs> are you Hold on a second here. You were really convincing about that. Do you really not have an idea what I'm talking about? I am being blindingly sarcastic right now. <laughs> oh my god, Drew, you, you, you nailed it, man. Oh my god, I bought that. Hook, line, and sinker, I took that. Holy <laughs> shit. Okay, whew. I, we were going to have to have a little small discussion, Drew, if you didn't actually get that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh god. All right. Um. Yeah, so that was really cool. Uh. Let's see here. Blah, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, there was something about Averin too, that I, I had a little beef with. Just just a small little nitpick. Um, she mentioned, while they were looking for the Waymaker, she said, let's mark this one. If I don't find one that I feel better about, we'll try him. 
And just the way that was phrased, it seemed like it was awfully advanced for... Uh, she's nine, right? She's a nine-year-old mm. girl. Yeah. It seems to show an inordinate amount of, of uh, first off, vocabulary uh, and grammar. And secondly, just that, that amount of forethought. I just, I don't know. To me, it seemed like something that no nine-year-old would naturally There's a more say. adult kind of thing. I mean... It's more of an adult way of thinking or at least approaching that problem. That's fair. I mean, she is educated as a as a... Skyrider as a messenger, mm -hmm. but but that is a fair. I think that's a fair thing to bring up. Yeah, uh, Fakeald. Anything you want to discuss about Fakeald? Uh, I, 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 I knew right away what he all was up to. I didn't buy his... Yeah, completely unguarded. Well, they weren't completely unguarded. Guarded by the two most idiotic guards <laughs> in the history of guards. I don't know. Uh, yeah. How can you blame them? Like, there's there are three. Assassins riding with lightning charged lances in a tornado <laughs> hitting the camp. Of course, you're gonna go try to protect your king and queen. Yeah, like, uh, it seemed yeah. like very uncaring for 20,000 or however many forcibles. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jared, um, do you have any other final thoughts? No, nothing huge. Nothing huge. Um, I, I only have a couple of small ones. Uh, one of them was going back to where what Rob was saying with. Waggett and and that early scene before he's gotten his endowment and he's going in to get it and the uh the guy who's just been taking advantage of him all his life um goes with him and and is trying to like be all smarmy and and get the forcibles yeah. to sell him and it was just so satisfying that the chamberlain just saw right through the guy and shuts him down he's like yeah you can leave now <laughs> get out yeah. of here you know, yeah, that was very. That was a win to read. It was like, that's right, you fucking scurry away. Oh, it was very satisfying. Very mm, satisfying. Satisfying to read. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. Uh. Yeah, and and then I just I, I want to go back and touch on a couple of things, since we're not going to be going on to the uh the sequel series, I can talk about these a little more freely. But there are a couple of terms like world building things that have come through in this book for the first time. One of them is shadow world. Where the okay. uh, uh, in in uh, Aaron's dream in the Nether World, the owl calls her like a warrior of the Shadow World, and we later get this idea from Binisman that there used to be one true world, and when the great enemy shattered mm -hmm. the one true rune, that also shattered all the worlds, and there are thousands and thousands of these Shadow Worlds, and we are reading a series that takes place on one of them. And uh, and that the netherworld is the remnant of the one true world. And oh. so so we have the bright ones Ooh, cool. on on the one true world or on the netherworld who are like more perfect men. Everything everything in the netherworld is slightly more perfect than it is in the world we're reading about. And and that's a it's a sort of plot element that shows up in the later books. Uh, okay. as, as, you know, where, where there's more interaction with the netherworld and, and stuff like that. Um, but, but that also plays into, uh, what's going on with, um, with the runes, with the, the seals of desolation and the inferno and the heavens and what the one true master is mm. doing with those runes. So there's, there's a lot of groundwork being laid pretty early in, in these these books for the second rune lord series and i think yeah. it's it's nicely done because he, he does it in a way where it's like oh that's a neat little bit of world building 
but it's not like a burning question for a reader. I noticed that. You know, so so he lays that. the groundwork, but he makes it easy for you to end yeah. after Lair of Bones if you want to end there. Yeah, because go, I mean, going forward, I, I will admit that's been in the back of my mind, at least to some degree, is, you know, how is, is Layer of Bones going to wrap up at, as many questions as I currently have? I mean, not all of them are even related to one another, seemingly so. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good to know that a lot of these things are going to be further explored in the uh, sequential arc. Yeah, and in the, in the, it's called the Scions of the Earth is the second series. And this series. one is, is the Earth King? Or yeah, the... the Earth King series, yeah. Okay, excellent. Good to know, good to know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much all I have as far as uh, Wizardborn goes, uh, other than just saying, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a lot more than I was expecting to. Um, mm -hmm. It was... Uh, there are things that I'm going to take away from my own writing from this book that I yeah. never would have anticipated. You Me know. too. Words so, like actinic. I get to use that yeah. in my <laughs> vernacular now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, but uh, shall we shall move, we on, move on? Final draft? Hell yeah, we shall. Reading your mind. I'm going to be a little <laughs> disappointing, though, because, I mean, I'll, I'll come right out of the gate and admit that I didn't really, with these holidays, everything, I somehow didn't have time to get to the, the grocery store and actually pick um, a thematically appropriate beer or just even a beer to begin with. So I've just been raiding the cupboards and finding what we have around the house and helping me get by today has just been a simple, good old-fashioned trusty Captain Morgan. Oh, fair enough. Spice rum with some coke. That's all you need. Half yeah. and half. Neat. No that's, ice. that's a little in I, I I think I think they probably have uh, some yeah? spiced rum in Indopol. We'll go with that. We'll yeah, go with yeah. that. Yeah, I'm, I bet they do. So Jared and I are drinking the same thing. Um, we we split a bottle of this. It is uh, <clears throat> it is from Fremont Brewing in Washington. Fremont. This is one of the best barrel aged imperial stouts you will find out there. It is called Dark Star, so it's a bourbon barrel-aged <laughs> imperial oatmeal stout. And as uh, as you can tell by the name Dark Star, I am playing very much on the theme of Raja Ten in this book, who is the Sun Lord and the star of Indopal, and he falls uh, into I shadow. I thought you were making a reference to the stars that are quite literally falling out of the sky. Uh, that, yeah. that is also fair. I, it, yeah. And, and uh, dare I say it, perhaps... David Farland was aware of the thematic tie-in there between Raja Ten's arc and the stars oh, falling from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> One can assume. But yeah, yeah. So this beer is just fantastic. It, it's it's a I think thirteen point six. God yeah, damn. Yeah, thirteen point six. Um, it, it is it is a robust, smooth, <laughs> just robust. just. I always rich bourbon barrel stout it's so good if if you ever see it on the shelf do not hesitate it's it's a it's not an easy beer to get a hold of although it's getting a little easier now uh they've increased distribution but but yeah yeah it is quite excellent they also do a coffee so, variant and a and a spiced variant i haven't tried uh, the spiced one yet but the the coffee one's excellent too so so Answer me this, because for those who don't know, Drew, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this, Drew hails from Colorado, where they have a whole bunch of, especially in your hometown, mm -hmm. a bunch of microbreweries. That's why Drew is a, is a beer fiend. Um, 
that said, I, I'm curious as to where exactly you're buying all these different beers. Is this something you can just get at the grocery store down there? Is there an <laughs> no. actual um, beer store? Because I mean, I'm Canadian. We have to go to the beer store. Yeah. Or, so or until recently, we could go to the grocery store. But that's the uh, grocery stores in Colorado are soon to be allowed. I think actually as of 2019, mm-hmm. I think they're they're now allowed to sell full strength beer. Oh, yeah. Happy but, New Year, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Happy New Beer. But, Boom. But I, I mean... I, there are craft yeah, bottle right shops in Fort Collins. There, There's one place, it, it just closed down about a year ago, unfortunately. It's called the Craft Beer Cellar. I got a lot of stuff from them. Um, there, There's uh, one like semi-famous liquor store here called Wilbur's that, I mean, it's it's massive. you know. And, but they get all kinds of absurd beers, beers from across okay. the U.S. in, and they do big release events and stuff. Um, but there, mm-hmm. there are a couple of other smaller ones that get stuff like Dark Star, uh, in and they don't even put it on the shelf. You know, it, it sits in the back, and they People they only order. let good customers know about it. Essentially, the, <laughs> you know, they they get it in very limited quantities. I think the no place shit. I go to, uh, if if you're I'm ever in Fort Collins, Colorado, and you want beer, check out Fish's Liquor. Um, they, I'm gonna be heading down there sometime. They are phenomenal customer service, uh, mm-hmm. but they get like maybe six or eight bottles of this stuff in, so. If they put it on shelves, it would it would disappear in, you know, in an hour, and Dang. and they they will keep it in the back and, um, but yeah, there there's like there's the quite a booming craft beer industry in Fort Collins here. So sweet, yeah, definitely something I have to check out when I do visit on some day that will definitely happen. Yes, it will. Yes, definitely. It will. Well, uh, I th- unless anyone's got anything else to add, I think that wraps up. This is episode nine. I- episode nine yeah. podcast Ooh. yeah we're on double digits next episode ladies and gentlemen whoa <laughs> not ready for that mind blown right definitely yeah. we've been doing this for like three months already because there's there was two, two and a months. half weeks di- like two well no because if this if we were doing every single week this would be week nine but we also had like a two and a half week intermission there too we so started actually almost we started on, on your 12, birthday right? which was late october Oh no! Good point. Touche. October twenty seventh. So this January first. Yeah, no, you're right. It's been two months and three days, something like that. Yeah, awesome. obviously, all of you are listening to this far oh, this in the be... future from now. Uh, we at were... this point at least two, three months in the future. Yeah, yeah. we kind of decided to build up a bank of episodes just because we know schedules won't allow us to always record every mm-hmm. week, and and we would like to have that yeah. buffer so we can and to make things continue giving our... you content every week <laughs> for our resident engineer. Shout out once again to Patrick. We gotta yes. get him on. When when is Patrick coming on? Ooh, whenever we do, he's read Rune Black Lords? Company or Kane. I thought he's read Rune Lords. He, he has read Rune Lords, but he's not not the biggest fan of it. Uh, he is right here, Pat. Do you want to chime in? Yeah. Um, so I did read the Rune Lords a while back um, for our book group at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, while um, while it might have been interesting to have uh, a voice of dissent might be a little too strong of a word, but at least uh, not as into it as you guys are on the podcast. I haven't yeah, yeah, read them sure, for a while, so my my uh, comments uh, would be less than useful. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there are things specifically that I'm not liking about these books, and I'm planning on going over that once we're at the end of book four i have yeah. actually been sitting on yeah few, I, I have a few particular I, I think things. i'm in the same boat as you rob there there are a Sweet. couple of 
major structural things with these books that that prevent oh, well, them from probably being set out. aside like a 10 15 minute segment for after the la- after the next episode series we'll review discuss. yeah series review sure yeah airing grievances yeah <laughs> sure yeah in the in the festivus <laughs> spirit sure sure okay sounds good uh, i think that's a wrap everybody yeah i think it is so uh once again thank you thank for, joining you for listening uh we hope you come back next week as we wrap up the rune lords uh, earth king series with lair of bones yeah we do goodbye have a good one everybody bye everybody